And then anything before anything after, I don't give a shit. But I really do like that scene. Well, what about the general dying and the drums and the no, fuck that. I don't really care. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alan, and I finally watched The Great Wall. And this is David, and I also finally watched The Great Wall. So to start out, we should probably answer why we're watching this movie, because normally we do uh, mostly good movies. Um, and this was my decision. Because, because you're absolutely obsessed with Matt Damon. No, I don't think so. I like Matt Damon. But really, what it was is, you know, this movie came out, I think you, did you tell me you had no, like, memory of this movie at all? Or did you remember when this came out? No, no, no. I told you that um, I, I will never watch this movie. Oh, that's good. Made a liar out of you. Um, I... When this came out, there's obviously a lot of controversy surrounding it because um, Matt Damon, as a white man, was going to save all of China and possibly the world. We'll get into that. Um, and people thought it was just sort of, I don't necessarily know if it was racist, but just another opportunity that should have gone to uh, an Asian person uh, that Matt Damon stole. Um, wait, wait, always- wait. Are you implying like this is another role that Matt Damon has stolen from? an Asian actor or are you no, just saying another, like, not, no, another, another part that an Asian actor has had stolen from them this time stolen by Matt Damon, but I don't agree that that's what happened. But, um, and so whenever something like this happens, it always makes me wonder like, okay, I understand that's kind of bad, but is it still a good movie? Well, uh, the answer I, to like, your question it, is no. And is it, Cool. I wasn't done talking. And is it, you know, are the ratings of it affected by that? Or are people still just like, oh, no, this is what I actually think. Um, And I kind of agree with you that this is not a great movie. Um, It is only an hour and 31 minutes from when it starts until the credits starts, which is really short for a movie that's supposed to be like an epic. Well, even the fact that it is very short, it's very jumbled. I, I never felt like there was a, a great consistency with the pacing of this film, especially how kind of the action is spread out through the movie. Um, but kind of back to your whitewashing uh, critique of this film. Was it you my critique? Could... That, was, that was the, the world's critique. Uh, mostly the US's critique, actually. Okay, okay. Well, listen. Here, here's my critique. Uh, yes, I agree with you that the way the script is written, it is necessary for Matt Damon's character to be white, right? Because it's kind of this like European group infiltrating Asia, China, or specifically, and trying to steal, I guess, what we black know powder. as, as gunpowder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the magic black powder that ignites. Um, you know, it's really interesting real quick is I, I was just reading something that said that the whole plot doesn't really make sense because the components of black powder are charcoal, brimstone, and bird droppings. And really what they needed was to know how to make it. So stealing this very small supply like does nothing for them because they're at you know, in the 11th century, there would have been no way for them to analyze this and figure out what it was. That's true too. 
uh, to prove my point even more how much this movie is unorganized and well neither of us caught that until I just read it so listen 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 all I'm saying is that look you could easily say that Matt Damon's character even Pedro Pascal's character needs to be played by white or at least like white European actors. Yeah, non-Asian um, for the story to make sense, right? It could, I mean, they could have made them from anywhere else. They just needed to be outsiders. But then again, the script is written to cater to the fact that outsiders come in, infiltrate Asia, and save them ultimately, right? Like, that's where that's where my problem is is that the script was catered to you know debasing Asians in the same sense that it could have been like written so that an an Asian actor or the Asian character could have been the main character to save but it wasn't written that way it was written this way Yeah but do you know the reason why it was written that way uh, I'm sure you're going to explain it to me well, so this is a dual American slash Chinese production. Yes. And there's like a whole thing with about how to get movies into China, um, which is really funny right now. Did you hear like John Cena groveling to China because Fast, the Fast 9 movie's coming out and he um, tempted the gods by calling Taiwan a country. And now he had to like grovel on like Chinese social media so that the movie would make money there. That's stupid. So anyway, the, I just thought it was funny. The point is, there's like a lot of logistics in making a movie that can be shown in China. But then there's also, China has sort of their own industry. They're trying to like grow, whatever, you know. And the point is, there is a Chinese-based studio that was involved with this. There are two Hollywood-based studios involved with this and one of those is legendary which is owned by chinese like a chinese company uh, so this story like it's as we talked about previously this was written in part by tony gilroy and several other you know basically just white screenwriters from what i remember looking at but the real reason matt damon is in this is because this is a chinese movie that is trying to cater towards u.s audiences so in this Chinese slash Hollywood production, they thought it would be best <laughs> to market their movie to put in Matt Damon. And it probably would have made less just because I just don't think those movies do that well over here. Do you, so the director of this movie, um, do you know any other movies he's directed? Maybe if you tell me. So two of his most famous ones are House of Flying Daggers oh. and Hero. Yes. Which is the then, Jet Li movie. Then yes. Yeah. But the only reason those are, have gotten big over here, right, is because they're just so good. You know what I mean? Like in order, for some, in order for us to hear about a movie in America from another country, it really just has to be like good enough or like the profile of the director, like, you know, if it comes from Korea, you know, and it's, 
um, uh, like Bong Joon-ho or one of the other directors that we know, then that's a movie that we'll probably always get from now on, right? Like we're gonna, America's gonna know about every Bong Joon-ho movie that he directs for the rest of his life. And even though this guy had two movies that has, you know, that did break through in the US, there's still like that need that like that focus from, and in this case, from like a couple of Chinese studios and a Hollywood studio of like, how do we market this in America? And almost invariably that's like, let's find a star. And because historically most of the stars in Hollywood are white and that's not a problem that has been fixed yet. That's why you have Matt Damon trying to save China. Yeah, but then, you know, all this could have avoided if he just wrote a decent script. That's the thing. That's what I've come to realize about this. Because um, recently, too, uh, Kevin Feige, like, apologized for casting Tilda Swinton as the ancient one in Doctor Strange. Yeah. And Disney bent over backwards so much to not appear racist that they cast Tilda Swinton and appeared really racist. So... But the thing is about that, like people were really mad about that, right? But Doctor Strange was a great movie. And the legacy of Doctor Strange going forward is just going to be like, oh, that was a really great movie. And yeah, it was kind of bad that Tilda Swinton was casting that. Someone else should have been casting that. So my point is like the bad reviews for The Great Wall, which we're about to actually start talking about, are because it wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, and everything you just said very clearly explains why Willem Dafoe was also in this film. That was like one of my, I had two major questions. Uh, the, the first being, what the fuck is up with Matt Damon's voice? Yeah. And the second is, why is Willem Dafoe in this movie? If you think about it, if they're trying to get like named white actors to like draw the audience in America, Willem Dafoe and Matt Damon are the two actors that aren't going to get you very far. Well, Matt Damon will. And I mean, people who love movies like Willem Dafoe. I mean, I, I got to think like... Like the only other one is Mark Pedro Walker. Pascal. Well, hold on, listen. The only other person in that movie besides Willem Dafoe and Matt Damon is Pedro Pascal. And in 2016, no one knew who the fuck Pedro Pascal was. Yeah, that one's weird. Um, the thing is, I think this is all banking on just the name of Matt Damon. And if you're going to have just like a big name action star person in that movie, um, I you could have gone with Wahlberg, right? Like Wahlberg would have done this movie too. But yeah, I, but what, really, could Wahlberg have pulled, pulled off a perfect Irish accent? Can Damon? No. Yeah. Wahlberg would have Wahlberg would have just gone Boston. Like it would have just it would have just still been there. <laughs> he would have been the guy from The Departed. <laughs> How awesome would that have I'm been? I'm gonna though? kill these fucking dragons. I'm gonna save this wall. <laughs> Acting surprised everything. Like everything he, every time he does something cool, he acts like completely surprised. Um, how cool would it have been if it if it was like, uh, Marky Mark? and like nothing changed no accent and the whole script is like okay he's a time traveler and he ends up in ancient china and then the rest of the movie is the same i think you've just described the third teenage ninja turtles live action movie i didn't know there was a third 
Yeah, they go back. They they time travel back to like ancient China. It's actually pretty good. Okay, it's pretty good. Um, the the other thing, real quick, back to Matt Damon's voice. Um, it sounds like he's almost doing like a stereotypical, like Native American, like male. Like he's like, oh, it like talks with a deep voice like this. Like it's it doesn't. I I like the entire time. I didn't know what he was trying to do until like halfway through the movie, you hear something of like a, like a over the top Irish accent. I was like, Oh, is that what he's trying to say? He is like, for I me, tell. for me, it was the opposite. I thought before he shaved when he had that really big beard, he was having like an Irish accent. And then as soon as you see him like clean shaven for me, the accent just dropped. Like it, it popped up a few times, but as soon as that beard went away, the accent went away with it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 it wasn't, the thing is, is like, I don't even consider it an accent. He was just talking like very deep. Deep. Like it, there was no accent. Like it, there was no like, like dialect. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That was like the most offensive part of the movie to me was that <laughs> the voice he chose for it. Um, so let's start, let's start from the top and let's get through this and we can, I mean, this whole thing is just going to be nitpicking. I will say last thing before, I think the problem with this movie and the way you talked about the pacing is you, the movie's so short and so much of it is action that was yeah. just like, we don't care about these characters. I didn't care about any of them. Actually, that's what I was going to say. You said that's the most offensive part, his accent. The most offensive part to me of the whole movie is when that general dies, and I never knew that there was a general that I, I don't even know how he died. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess he's just wearing the silver color and you're supposed to know that, but there's no explanation for that. The dude who Matt Damon says is super brave, I don't even know what to call him in this because they never say his name in the movie. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> So I don't know what to, I'm going to call him the brave dude throughout. Um, one, one thing I will say positively about this movie is my least favorite part is the opening when they're being chased by what I presume are Mongolians, like, cause they're coming from the North towards the great wall. I was confused about that too, but sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was, I really like that. It only lasted seven minutes until they made it to the wall. That was like the best part is just how short that part was. Because I didn't need it. Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking how absolutely irrelevant the entire Pedro Pascal and Willem Dafoe running off arc was. And now that I think about it, the fact that they didn't explain who the general was or the brave boy or that. There's actually a ton of this film that just goes completely like one way and then you're like oh wow there this something's really going to come out of this and it just doesn't well it's pedro pascal's part is too tiny to actually care about you don't need it you don't need it, it. you don't need it and w- once again they don't establish these characters well enough for me to care that he ran off with defoe instead of staying with matt damon it's like i didn't care about it i was like okay whatever and then by the time you're like, you're like, oh, the movie's over. Okay. Willem Dafoe in this is the same like shock factor 
when I, uh, when I saw Willem Dafoe in Aquaman. Both I didn't know he was going to be in it. And so out of place in, in both. I liked him in Aquaman. He was fine. But it, he's so strange looking and so unique that you're like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm so used to seeing him as like the Green Goblin, right? It's like he's there as like a main antagonist. And for him to be these like side characters is just kind of funny to me. I will say Commander Lin is probably the best part of this movie. Oh, hands down. For many a reason, but she's also like, she, her acting was really great in this. She, uh, was, like, the what, best, she was the one best of the actor. Few, one of the few. <laughs> um, yeah, she was actually really good. My favorite part is that she was the, she translated the movie and we got to watch the entire translation. Like it kept showing her do this. But she would only paraphrase. She would never actually repeat. She would just say it a completely different way. And I always thought it was funny when she was like, I don't have time to say the whole thing. Um, my next nitpick, though, getting back to, I guess, a little bit chronologically. I like when all the other men besides Pedro Pascal and Matt Damon die, which, you know, they're going to die because they barely talk and you don't learn their names and don't know anything about them. And they're not white and famous enough to last in this movie. Correct. Um, I barely saw that they got killed. Like the camera work on it was just like, like quick cuts and then they're gone and there's blood on the ground. I was like, why were we saving money there? I guess you're, you're giving it too much credit when you say quick cuts. I believe there was one quick cut uh, singular and it was literally a shot of like a couple of boots being swiftly, like, like taken off the, the scene. And, uh, it's funny too, because you really only see one guy get picked off. And then when uh, Matt and Pedro like turn around and, and look at their, what do you want? Like Calvary, missing Calvary. Uh, they're just all gone. But literally you just like physically see one person get taken. It happens so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Yeah, Ashley watched this with me. She was just like, wait, what just happened? Where did they go? She's like, are we supposed to think they just died? Um, it was also funny when we started the movie and I explained to her that this wasn't historically accurate and that the wall was actually keeping out monsters. She was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. But we had already started it, so she, uh, she was complaining throughout. Um, the only other, I guess, important part is that we the magnetic stone that we know is going to be really important because it's the only like thing that they talk about in the beginning. It's funny too. Cause uh, when they pulled it up, I was like, Oh yeah, that's definitely going to come into place. They're probably going to use it to like um, make a compass or, and find their way or something. And then the very next line is like, wait, we should keep it. We could make a compass out of it. And I was like, okay, they're definitely not. That's definitely not what it's being used for later in the movie then. It was a good Matt Damon impression. Um, I, I One other thing about this movie, the dialogue is either some, like, every once in a while, there's some, like, somewhat cool dialogue that normally Damon's getting, like, the funny lines. But then for the most part, it's just, like, not good. Even the funny lines are, like, I felt like are a little out of place. Well, the one I the one I did like is when Pedro Pascal was like, "I'm not used to uh, surrendering." When they decide to surrender rather than fight the Mongolians at the wall, and uh, Matt Damon's like, "It'll come back to you." 
Like I thought that was that was pretty good. Yeah. But the other one right after that is does Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal have just been captured and they're trying to plan an escape and then command uh Commander Lynn like talks to them in English and he's like, Oh, you speak English. Like, like we've been trying to like we just were gonna kill all these people and like we've been talking about our plan openly in front of them. That wasn't bad. After that, not great. I just I got I got honestly bored of this movie quite quickly. I think like 30, 40 minutes in, I was just like pausing it and just leaving for long periods of time, going back, finishing it. Uh there's there's never like I, I never felt any urgency. And it's like, oh, I really want to finish this movie. Uh, yeah, I mean I want to finish it to um get it over with. The the next thing too is Defoe. We talked about why is why is he in this? Um the way he's just like staring at Matt Damon, like as they're being judged by I guess this like tribunal of all the commanders, and he's just like staring at them. Um is really odd. I thought literally because of that scene, his introductory introductory scene, I thought he was like a Jafar character. Like <laughs> Don't laugh because if you watch it thinking that you'll see what I mean. Because it'd be a better movie that way. Yeah, maybe. Because he's this—he's this like old white guy in the midst of all these like Chinese uh, people. And it's what's funny is he pokes his head out like menacingly out of the shadow, and I was like, "Oh, is he like their witch doctor or some shit like that?" It's like that's kind of weird. But I'll I'll bite. But no, he's like in their same position if it was like 20 years ago because he was searching for the black powder, but now they're not letting him leave because I actually, honestly, I forgot why they kept him around. Uh, they didn't want anyone to know about the Great Wall, the, like their secrets of how it worked, how to get in it, things like that. Or just maybe the wall in general. But why did know. they kill him? I don't know. I mean, she, Commander Lin learned English from him. Like, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I, you know, they may. They talked about killing uh, Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal in the beginning, and then they kind of won them over in a scene we're about to talk about in a second. And um, so it's like maybe that's something similar. Like, you know, he taught her English, and you know, they're like, all right, well, you can live here, but you can never leave. Um, 12 minutes in, we get our first battle, which is like the say I think the saving grace of this movie are the battles, because I think they're they're pretty well done. Like the CGI is cool. That's what I was gonna say. I, I actually was quite impressed with the CGI. Now, if they just, you know, this is a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, if they had cut back a little bit on that and used it for like the rest of the movie, like we might have had something here. Or you might have had nothing. Um and if you're going to have a complaint about like a white savior movie, uh, Matt Damon jumping around and grabbing spears and then shooting arrows, like as he's sliding, like past these, like what are just like, the Tao Te just, that's the, the beasts that are attacking. They just look like dogs, basically like big dogs, but their eyes are on their shoulder blades. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice. And I didn't realize until I, I watched this a second time and I didn't realize it until then. Um, That's like their their weak spot. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that is what you have to hit, which 
I kept like, why is Matt Damon shooting them in the shoulders? And then I realized like, oh, he's taking out their eyes. Um, and it's also funny too, is there's just this plot device of like the brave guy who you, you don't find out he's brave until at the very end of the movie, but he can't get the keys to work. So that's the only reason they're able to even join the battle. Yep. Yep. And that's another problem too, is that like you said, in the first 12 minutes of the movie, they're running away from the Mongolians. They come upon the Great Wall. They get captured. They are almost sent to prison. The guy can't find the keys. They're not sent to prison. The Tao Te attack. They're put up on top of the Great Wall, and then they start fighting the Tao Te. Boom, 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 right? And it's just like absolutely no character development. Like I don't, like maybe I understand Matt Damon's character a little bit, but everyone else, I'm like, I don't, know who these people are right and i i almost am curious like was this and i didn't read too much into this and there wasn't a lot of like in-depth stuff on it because of mostly the the things written about it were about the topic we already covered um but i'm almost curious if this was intended to be longer and in order to make it work it had to be shorter or like budget cuts or whatever or did they think let's make this short because it'll be more appealing for an American audience? I, I like, I, I don't really know. It, it, it almost seems a little more like less planned. Right. At one thing that it makes, we are talking about that Willem Dafoe scene where we meet him. And then the one where he's like standing on the wall, like staring at Matt Damon about to release them. You know, this is obviously that part is filmed separately. Right. So Dafoe's his two first scenes, he's just being filmed by himself. Right. So the director's asking for certain reactions right. and they just don't fit and they don't look great. Like they don't, it's like, wh- who is this character? Why is he acting weird? And so it, it, like, I imagine Defoe, if he ever watched this, was just like, Oh my God, like, this is not my fault. Yeah. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, the commander and Defoe are supposed to have this like teacher pupil relationship, right? but they don't share a single scene together. Well, he's been there for 25 years, so they probably had some ups and downs in their relationship. No, 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 no. Listen. Maybe they banged at one point. In the film that we watched, Uh there was not a single scene with those two actors in it. I know. But like... This is a a tight 90 minutes, Alon. Uh, the next thing is, and this is similar to something we talked about in Gremlins, right? In Gremlins, we were like, you can't feed them after midnight, but when can you start feeding them again? So here, uh, when we do get some exposition explaining what the hell is going on, um, these Talte, these dogs, they come back every 60 years. There is never a single explanation as to what causes them to leave. Not once. There's no like they're here for 20 days or we have to kill the queen and uh, spoiler alert, they kill the queen at the very end of the movie. Um, Does that stop this from ever happening again? Or are they going to be back in 60 years? No explanation whatsoever. Also, it's also a, a great, like no explanation is they are clearly coming from something very bright and green and glowing yeah is that a portal 
to another dimension? Is that like an opening in the crack of a cave? Is that, what is that? Again, never explained. They do explain it, actually. They do explain it? So Strategist Wang, played by Andy Lau, who was like one of the only other famous people in this. Yeah. um, He explains that a meteorite hit that mountain and that that meteorite was, they think, payback for the lifestyle that the former, like dynasty was you know that they were getting greedy and da 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 i don't know it was a quick exposition but yeah that's like meteorite which i don't know is it still flaming or whatever i mean it's it's magical it's mystical do they live inside the meteorite is that the meteorite opening the meteorite causes a riff in the space-time continuum we don't know that i also don't know where they go every 60 years and Back inside the meteorite. Do they have to kill that queen every 60 years? Like, just one line explaining that. Like, just one thing telling me why they don't come back. Um, why also, did they run away at the end of the first battle? I think because they were taking heavy losses. And one thing that you're supposed to get, and I actually think this was done fairly subtly and fairly well, is that this, the, the Tao Te, and especially their queen, has gotten smart. Yeah. And so they were taking like some heavy losses and she's like, let's regroup. And really at the end, you find out that the whole thing that they're doing here is distracting them so that they can dig a hole through the wall at a different point. Yeah. So, you know, I guess that's one thing that the movie did. All right. Um, one thing the movie did not do. All right. Is I didn't think it was uh, great that Pedro Pascal was acting like a matador as Matt Damon was shooting arrows at these things. Yep. They didn't establish him as a bullfighter, but um, it's just like, oh, this would be cool. Was bullfighting even around at that point? Maybe. I I didn't know. So I actually had to do research based on watching the movie to figure out when this took place. And when Damon's explaining all the battles he's fought in, like I looked up one. And so this takes place like late 11th century. I don't even know. Honestly, don't. Oh, I guess I do know what I want to talk about next because I don't want to spend much time on this movie. But, you know, they test Matt Damon's skills with that arrow thing. Yeah. First of all, it's like totally ridiculous that anyone would be able to do that. But even after he does it, they're not nearly impressed enough with what he did. Like hitting the cup with an arrow and then placing two under the cup in the wall so it holds up the cup. It'd be even more impressed if he had like liquid in that cup. Well, Pedro drank that and just stole it from some female battler who was pretty pissed that her cup got taken. Hmm. Well, that's the end of that scene. And, um, you, you know, I also find that that whole scene in the cafeteria from beginning to end. Cafeteria? Lasts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lasts way too long. Like... First, you have him hitting the cup. Then you have a conversation between Pedro Pascal and someone. Ballard. Yeah, yeah. And then that goes off into like something else. And then you're like, all right, we're leaving that scene. Nope, now we're still back there. And and Pedro Pascal and Matt Damon are eating. And they're talking about something else. I was like, for for a movie that is like such fast pace there are some incredibly dragging scenes in it uh yeah no i I agree and like 
after right after that so matt damon's uh eating with lynn and they go outside and he's gonna do like the bungee jump thing which by the way that was pretty cool like so they have all the all the warriors are in different colors and the colors match their commander and the blue group is all women and their job is to bungee jump off of these towers and stab the dogs as they try and run up the wall which by the way uh ashley was like oh those look like this reminds me of world war z because all of the like the dogs are just moving up the wall the way like the zombies do right and it's like i don't know that tony gilroy wrote it that way but you know remember how we talked about he was involved with writing world war z too but so then damon goes out with commander lynn to these towers where they jump off and she wants him to jump off and he's basically like no i'm not she's like well we have this saying and that saying means trust and he's like well I've survived this long because I don't trust people. And I guess that's the whole point of this movie is, is about trusting people. Um, and Matt I Damon guess. is like, Matt Damon is a mercenary who like kills people. And it's like, now he has to live for something more. And yeah. so that's like, that's the struggle we get. And that's the best that's explained in the movie. Um, this is close to like what we get as a theme. Yeah. So... The next thing is when the general dies. Um, Who? The guy in silver. Silver. Uh, The silver surfer. I I still don't know who that is. Um, What I think is funny, too, is he calls, uh, he tells her she's going to be the next leader of the Nameless Order, but Nameless Order is capitalized, which thereby means that's the name and it's no longer Nameless, which I thought was kind of funny. Real Uh, nitpicky, aren't you? What do you got to do? Um, I will say we don't care about the general because we haven't been there with him that long. He's barely been in the movie. The shot from above as the Tao Te are coming from one side and the other as they've trapped them, I thought was really cool. I thought that was cool too. Like really well done and you see them like run at them. I thought that was really cool. I thought the song after the general dies and like the lantern scene and the drums, I thought that was all really cool, but I was just like, I don't know this guy that well. I don't know that he deserves this, but I guess he does. He's a general. Um, that was like, I was like, why couldn't the movie be more like this? Like, this is epic. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to have a, a historical epic, even though it's a fake historical epic, like, it's got to be bigger and grander. And this movie is not that. But this one Wait, little this part is of fake? it. <laughs> Are you telling me there weren't giant demon dogs trying to take over China by rummaging through the Great Wall? I don't know. They said it's a legend. I don't know. We don't, we don't know if it's true. So maybe based on a true story. Um, I like that. Yeah. Also. So next we get this green guy that comes in, right. Who's got these like evil smirk. He's like the guy who's dressed all in green. He came from the capital city and uh, he's like, you know, how did this one guy defeat him? And they're like, Oh, it's gotta be this magnet. Right. And he's like, Oh, Oh, I got to talk to you about that because I love how Matt Damon is set up to be this like ultimate warrior who took out a Tao Te. He's like, wow, he must be really good. He must be such an awesome fighter. Just to find out, just to completely undercut that by being like, oh, the only reason he ever even had a chance was because he had basically their kryptonite in his back pocket. Correct. How I was so disappointed about that. 
Cause I was like, okay, cool. I can, I can believe like maybe he's gotten like special training and he's been on in all these battles and he's gotten the, all these skills. No, it was because he had a giant magnet. Well, in fairness to him, that was in the dark. And then in the light on the wall, he did kill two of them with his arrows. But he's the help of, well, in the help, in the help of Pedro Pascal's cape. I guess. Um, but anyway, Matt Damon is then like, oh, we need to catch one. Like a whale? Have you guys, whales? Do you guys know whales? <laughs> so stupid. That was stupid. The scene where they actually catch them, I think, was probably one of the coolest scenes in the movie. Okay, hands down, it's my favorite scene. Yeah. It's my it, one and only, like, scene that I'm like, I, I'm 100% invested in this. And then anything before anything after, I don't give a shit. But I really do like that scene. Well, what about the general dying and the drums and the no, fuck that. I don't really care. Yeah, that was really cool. The blades coming out of the wall, cutting the things. The fact that they have to do this on a day when it's like there's a fog that's moved in. It's the only time we've seen a fog move in. I was a very big fan of the whistle arrows. Nah, the whistle arrows were awesome. It's still like the whistle arrows were cool. I love Matt Damon turning around with his arrows and shooting them. But then she decides to get the black powder weapons out and just throwing them down there willy-nilly like she could have easily killed Damon. Reminds me, that, reminds me of that scene at the end of Endgame where Thanos is like, rain, fire. And then they're like, but sir, our troops. And he's like, do it. And it's just like, boof, boof, boof. Yep. Right. And then obviously uh, Pedro Pascal has to save Matt Damon's ass because he's in over his head. Um, Still badass though when like Matt Damon like shoots those arrows up, like up, and uh, Pedro Pascal's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "She's listening." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was that's a comical line. Um, I also didn't get the axe throwing really didn't make sense. They throw the axe like it's the movie Wanted, where they it's... can curve axes, and then they just hit in the middle. I guess. Upon second viewing, that was to draw in the dogs so that they could shoot them. But I was still very confused by that. Um, but they catch one, and then the magnet works. And then the green guy's like, cool, I'm taking this back to the emperor because nothing bad can happen from me doing this, right? This is the smartest decision right. is to take one of these to the capital. Like, it's so stupid that I thought, like, is he a spy? Like, is he, like, does, he's, is he work a he's working with the Tao Te? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, like, what, it was just so dumb. Um, I'm just thinking, like, oh, 90% into the movie, they introduced the Tao Te and shapeshift into humanoids, you know? Right. Um, so after this, Tovar really pissed at Damon tells him like you're a killer and a thief why are you like now trying to become a better person like why are you for, trying to improve yourself matt damon for, for clarification pedro pascal is tovar he is we haven't used these character names at all in this entirety so i just thought for, it seems he, unnecessary okay seems unnecessary just I mean, like matt, matt damon's movie. what william yeah does he have a last name? I don't think we ever hear his last name, do you? Nope, William. Just William. Um, 
the next, you know, they then oh, find Mally. out. <laughs> at, least then, at least then we might know what that fucking accent is. William O'Malley. <laughs> William O'Ireland. <laughs> so, uh, wait, wait uh, what's Pedro Pascal's name again? Tovar. Tovar Spaniard. A Spaniard. Just call him a Spaniard. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't, like, it was hard to follow at first, but then they, like, just find the tunnel dug, and they're like, oh, shit. Like, they've made it through. And that's when you realize, like, how smart these dogs are, I guess. I, I do like, like, there's, at this point, there's just these, like, kind of small cut scenes back and forth. But when the green guy is talking to the emperor, who's also a child, and is, like, trying to take credit for this, and the old guy's like, no, it's the magnet. Like, he didn't do anything. I, I love how, like, pissed the green guy gets. Like, what the fuck, man? That was good, too. I enjoyed that. You know why I enjoyed that, David? Because that showed character which a majority of this film was lacking. Well, he was, the green guy is honestly the most set up character. Like you get like this, uh, he's got ambition, right? And he's yeah. willing to like screw over other people over and then, you know, nothing happens from him. We don't even yeah. see him in the end of the movie. All he's missing is a name. He's the green guy. Yeah, it's not his name. Um, another character that I really liked is that guy with the scar on his face that's always really mean to the brave dude. I mean, he's just one of the other colored commanders. Like, he's either red or green or whatever. Yeah, but because he had the scar on his face and because he was really mean, it set him apart. Yeah, there would have been, it would have been interesting to hear him talk or hear anything else about him. Um, even if, you know, they could have just had a scene of Commander Lin, like, hey, these are all these people. He, da-da-da, he fought here, da-da-da-da. Just, no, nothing. Yeah, I mean, but, but even if they had that kind of scene, I would have complained about that too. So, well, obviously, you were, you were coming in hot on this movie. You were going to complain no matter what. I've actually been pretty proud of you for being like more even, even tempered. So, um, I think you could see Willem Dafoe was going to double cross Pedro Pascal this entire movie. Like, especially when he like drops the bag on Matt Damon, you're just like, all right, so this guy's out for himself. Like, why are you trusting him, Pedro? Which makes no sense, too, because he's a white guy in the middle of China and there's Mongolians everywhere. It's like, you probably should keep this dude as your friend as long as possible. Right, and we can just talk about it now, even though it's a little bit out of order. But, like, you always enjoy an asshole getting his comeuppance in a movie. Uh-huh. And it was funny, like, them playing with the, the black powder and it exploding and killing him. But it's also just like not a very well done scene. But and also, Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe is clearly once again acting by himself. I'm not even sure that he like made it over to China to do this movie. <laughs> now oh, that he, I think about he, it, he he definitely did not. Um, but <laughs> like his reaction to exploding was just like it's in, it's in a different movie. I don't really understand, but it was it was funny, just not great. Um, and you know, the brave dude comes out and he saves Matt Damon's life by telling him like, Oh, he wasn't involved in the escape plan. And then we get the balloons that don't mostly don't work except a few work. Okay. Please, for the love of God, explain to me exactly why all of a sudden 90% of the troops just start killing themselves. Like literally I was out of this movie and then I kind of just like, like woke 
out of my days and started like actually paying attention. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why is there just mass suicide on my screen? Uh, the balloons didn't really work. I don't know why some of them worked and others didn't. I do know why. It's a plot device so that they could only have, they really only needed Matt Damon, Brave Dude, Strategist Wang, and Commander Lin to save the world. Like yeah. that was it. Um, and so that was the reason why most of the balloons didn't work. It, visually, it was pretty cool, right? Like having some of them falling out of the sky, I thought was like, looked great. But it didn't make a bit of sense because it's like, th there was no what? There was no test runs. There was no like they nothing. Do well, I think they explain when she's like, when they're like, oh, the, the dogs have this much head start on us and we need to catch up and the balloons are the only way. And then the other guy's like, the balloons never fucking work. She's like, well, I'm in charge. We're doing the balloons. We're doing the balloon thing. It'll well, have been, it has to work this time. What would have been cool is, you know how they lit those lanterns for the funeral? Yeah. If some of those like malfunctioned the same way the balloons did, and that could have like set up sort of a, a foreshadowing of like that happening. Yeah, but you're in a rock and a hard place because they're really trying to set up the beauty of that scene with the lanterns and the music going. If you have some of them just burning up and exploding, you kind of take away that. So I don't really, yeah, there's not really a great way to handle that. Um, I guess. And then the, uh, the strategist, strategist Wang says that Matt Damon is allowed to leave, that Commander Lin said that is her last order. He can leave and take Black Powder with him. He's like, no. This is the turning point of his character, apparently, where he's sure, like, sure. I'm here to fight. Right. Um, and then we all make it to this capital city, which is really, it's really big. Um, it's a big capital city. And Matt Damon uh, may or may not have saved the world. That, that's something I want to get into. What amount of credit do you give Matt Damon for saving the world? A shot of an arrow, maybe two. No, this is the percentages. I'm not saying like what what how much credit does he deserve compared to Commander Lin? Uh, you know, because this is a white savior movie, Alon. So we need to think like, did he actually save the world or did someone else? You know, is he getting all the credit for this? Well, since Commander Lin and him are the only last two survivors of the entire film, maybe it's a 50-50 split. You know, if he had, if he had stayed with Lynn and then she could have just written the history and, you know, she would have gotten most of the credit, but you know, he probably just became an asshole again after he left China and um, just, he wrote his memoirs and he saved the world. But also I... no one else is ever going to know about this, right? Because China, like, he's just going to be a crazy person if he ever tells anyone else the story. Because outside of the Great Wall and the capital city, the only people that know about this are him and Pedro Pascal. Yeah. That's true. But, okay. I have one thing to talk about that final fight. Go for it. When they are running under the city in, like, the sewer system, and they have the magnet with them, right? And yep. you see all the dogs running around above them. I thought what would be so cool, and like logically this would make sense, is as the dogs are like running rampant throughout the city, and they're running under 
the city, you could see a lot of them, like, as they run underneath them, you could see them, like, fall over or, like, get disoriented or something. Because remember, they only have to be, like, what, nine feet away, and they're running under the whole city. You could, they could have done something really cool visually with, like, an overhead shot of showing the dogs, like, you know what I'm saying? I agree. I think they're, they, they try to establish that if the magnets are far enough away, it doesn't really work that well. And so maybe, you know, they're 10 feet below and that's why. Um, but yeah, it would have been, it would have been cool to see. Um, and they try and give you another like heart wrenching moment when the brave dude sacrifices himself. Um, but I was just like, okay, you know, that's his story. I n- never even learned his name. Strategist Wang dies too, throws up the magnet so they can be saved, and then he just probably gets devoured. Yeah. Um, I did, <laughs> I did, I thought it was like, it was, you can barely notice it, but the way that they actually get that final like arrow in to kill the queen is Damon first throws the magnet so it keeps the hole open because they can't move. Right. And then the arrow goes in next. And I was just like, I guess that's cool, but they could have maybe done a little bit better with that. But the, the main issue with this ending is they just saved not only all of China, but apparently the entire world because these Tao Te were going to get strong enough to kill the world. Right. And their reaction is just like a, a smile and a chuckle and like a head nod, like, yes, we did it. I also have a problem with the fact that it's a hive mentality where if you kill the queen, you kill all of them. And I'm like, it's kind of cheap. It's a cheap way of doing something like this because you're setting up like this army of Tao Te, like hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, right? Right. If not, if not millions, uh, that their numbers are, you know, undetermined. But, uh, yeah, all, all you got to do is just take care of one. Just kill the queen, and they all freeze. Like, it's not like they're all weak, and now they're easier to kill, and it's, it took them maybe, like, 30 days to go around killing all of them. No, no, no. You kill the queen, and at the exact same time, every single one of them dies. Uh, yeah, and then how do, how do they not know this? Once again, there's no explanation for how this works. Do they just have to keep them at bay for a certain number of days and then they go away for 60 years? Or do they have to kill the queen every 60 years? And if they do have to kill the queen every 60 years, why is it such a surprise to them at the end that, hey, we have to kill the queen in order to win? Um, Yeah, none of that makes sense. It's also kind of funny, too, that, like, the green guy removes the magnet and so then the dog starts, like, barking basically and all the Taltae were running in like kind of the wrong direction right and now they're running straight to the capital city yeah kind of stupid um i do think the ending is a little like their their celebration of defeating and saving the world was a little muted because the movie is purposely not trying to like it wants to have its cake and eat it too with like you know will they won't lay it with Matt Damon and Commander Lynn. Like, sure. it's like, they want they want you to know that there's like maybe some mutual feelings there, but there's going to be no acting on it. Um, which just leads to like really weird interactions and specifically like all of Matt Damon's like really bad jokes at the end. 
to her and they're like, I'm thinking about trading him back for the powder. Um, the, the ending's not great. The very ending is it's definitely not great. Um, and then at the end, it, like Matt Damon says, oh, maybe I'll go back someday or maybe I want to go back. Of course I want to go back. Um, could have been better. Could, could have been much better. I think that was the, uh, that was the review of the film. Well, they had to talk about the other stuff first, but yeah, could have been better. No, I don't, I don't think anyone thought this could be better. I think they thought it was bad and just there wasn't any way to save it. I truly think that it's just you can't – like there, there are a lot of plot points going on and they're just moving through it way too quickly, yeah. like just way too quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. Um especially the ending, how they just wrap it up with like a nice little bow. And then uh, Matt Damon and Pedro Pascal, like get back together. He's like, ah, I would have traded you for the powder, but whatever. And I chose you instead. And it's like, wow, thanks. But then it's like every, every bond, every relationship, every character could have been so much stronger and it would have been a, such a better movie. Like instead of them being like mercenaries and whatever, they could have been brothers. They could have been like, you know, actually related. And that could have been like more of like a struggle for Pedro Pascal to like desert Matt Damon. But it, it wasn't and it's not. And it's like, who cares? Who cares? And that was the big thing for me is that not a single minute in the movie I actually gave two shits about any character. Do you know what I just realized? Huh. Matt Damon's name is William, and he's like a really great archer. So it's like a William Tell, like, play on words. Also, it wasn't... Matt Damon's character name in Goodwill Hunting. Also William. Is is Will Hunting. Yes. And but that's not the point I was making is that this movie's just like, you know it's going to be subtle. He's going to be a really fucking good archer. We're going to call him William like William Tell. No one's going to pick up on that. And we didn't until this very second. Clever or lazy writing? I don't know. I mean, I don't even know where he's from. I don't know what that voice is. Um, so yes, definitely lazy writing. And like, there's also like so many different writings on writers on this that it's just like all of them can sort of like deflect blame, um, which that's good for them that they don't have to, you know, take the credit for this. All right, let's do a quick consensus of this movie. Right? What did you think? As you were going into this film, what did you, what did you like, how were your expectations before watching this and compared to your final thought? I mean, I had no expectations. I, um, I had literally no idea what it was about, except that there were these monsters. I actually thought the monsters were going to be dragons because they don't really show you what they're in the movie. Um, I would say that I was like, oh, this would probably be a pretty decent movie. And I think that's, kind of what it was it was like a no i thought pretty decent and it was decent no pretty in front of it just it was decent 
with a lot of problems. And I think it's like with those problems, I think there's a still enough in it that it's like, it's a somewhat enjoyable experience. Um, I will never watch it again though. Well, uh, for me, um, I knew I wouldn't like it. I didn't like it. Surprisingly, I did like one scene, and that was the whistling arrow scene. But overall, I think it was badly paced, uh, bad acting, except for Commander Lynn. She she was great. And uh, overall, just boring. Um, you know, I actually think all the Asian actors were pretty great, honestly. No, I think she was the best. Um, but the writing was just bad for Pedro Pascal and, and Matt Damon and Willem Dafoe, whatever, whatever effort they put into that. The thing, the thing is, though, is that um, for a movie about demon dogs fighting the Great Wall of China and all of its defenders... All in all, it was a pretty boring film. And uh, quite honestly, I thought the whitewashing thing was going to be a way bigger uh, deal than it actually turned out to be. But it, it still... I, I, don't, I don't know. Matt Damon just didn't really add anything to this. He could have been... He honestly, he honestly took a... You know, he took a bullet for anyone else who would have to do that part because it was so bad. I was watching this thing recently where like Matt Damon just sticks himself in like weird places sometimes. Like, you know, he was in like Thor Ragnarok, like as one of the like actors pretending to be Loki, right? Right. Yeah, right. Uh, he was also in that movie Euro Trip. He, he, he was like Fiona's uh, boyfriend. Scotty doesn't know, right? Yeah, he wrote the song Scotty doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. And... Wasn't he like just really randomly at the end of Interstellar? Uh, not the end. He's in Interstellar. Yeah. Yeah, but like for like what, couple scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like randomly sticks himself into like these films, and I just find that like just really funny. He's really into his cameo work. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon. And we and finally we watched. Both watched. The finally, Great the Great Wall. That ending went as well as the movie. <laughs>